You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, welcome to another special edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. For the first time, I'm having two special guests with me. My two very best friends, all the way from Parts Unknown, I'm not telling you where you guys live, are my good buddies Ed and Joe. What's up guys? Hello. Hey, is that good to be back? Good, good. Today we're doing a very special edition, and it's the state of the wrestling business. I'm, I think I have a job here today. Uh, we're going to keep this one under two hours, and we're not going to make sure yeah, we don't. Yeah, we will try. We try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to try. We're going to try to keep it under two hours. Try to not curse so much. If it happens, I mean, hey guys, it happens. Look, I slipped up the last time I recorded with Joe, so. Yeah, if it happens, I feel. Yeah, I want to apologize in advance for any cursing. Yes, we apologize in advance for any cursing. So um, let's just get right into it. Um, Our viewpoints, and I kind of said this off mic, is that we all kind of have different views of wrestling. We're all very similar with kind of what we like. But but now as uh, adults in our 20s, um, there are things that have kind of turned us off by wrestling. There are things that... One of us may love and the other may hate, but um, but we're three different types of fans, and that's why I, th- I like doing this kind of little concept. Is that one? I'm the fan that obviously I'm the hardcore fan out of the three of us. I'm the guy who still kept watching after a certain amount of time. I fell out for a bit, but ultimately I came back, and I'm probably a bigger fan than I was before. Um, and then we have you, Joe, who we mentioned the first time you were on here. You're more of a fan who's kind of the outside looking in. Um where you want to watch but there's just certain things that just can't keep your your uh your attention am i right yeah i mean i think wrestling is kind of fundamentally broken at the moment there's a lot of good things going on but the bad things kind of outweigh the good things unfortunately which keeps me watching every week or keeps me from watching every week okay and ed you're kind of a person who's just really doesn't watch at all anymore i mean you really I mean, how many people exactly th- do you know of and slash are you fans of? I think uh, Sasha Banks. That's about it. That's about it. Okay. And, and that's the thing. Um, we all, I, I, at one point, all three of us were about where I am still a hardcore fan. At but, one point, yes. Yeah, at one point. But uh, we'll go around a little bit. Uh, so... Joe, I'll start with you. What was it, when was it when you kind of stopped watching every week? And what and what kind of turns you off about wrestling now? Uh, when I stopped is kind of rough. I mean, it's probably around the time where CM Punk was starting to leave. But for me to say what's keeping me from watching wrestling, you kind of I kind of have to define what makes wrestling for me. And wrestling kind of comes in three parts. That it takes good in-ring quality, it's good character work, and it's good storytelling. All three of those things have to be there in order for you to make a complete package. And right now, the wrestling aspect of it is as good as it's ever been. But Better from what I see, it, it 
Oh, of course. But you kind of have to look at it like a pie chart, right? Mm -hmm. And each section is, you know, as important than the other. So when you put it in that perspective, wrestling is, to my opinion, only 33% of what makes wrestling so great. The other third of it has to do with character work. And it's, I mean, that you know that most people today are just kind of guys who like wrestling and all have long hair and beards for some reason. Like, there's hardly ever any good gimmicks or any good actual character work anymore. And the booking, as you can tell from WWE, has been generally pretty awful, which makes the other third of it. So, I mean, you're kind of having an incomplete product where, yes, the pure wrestling portion of it is great, but everything else is lacking. Yeah, it's, um, you make fair arguments there. There are, the wrestling, as far as the quality of it, is the best it's ever been, but there are very less characters in today's uh, world of wrestling. Uh, but, Ed, I'm going to turn it over to you. When exactly was... And you may have answered this last time that you were on here. When exactly was it for you that you kind of stopped watching? It had to be around the, the time CM Punk was uh, doing a promo I, I, with Triple H. I think around that time I stopped watching. And I know that's probably when it started getting for the better. But it was around that time frame I stopped watching it completely. And the same reasons that Joe said, you know, the wrestling in the ring was was fine, but some of the stuff I just couldn't tolerate, like Dean Ambrose fake punches, a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the botches that I was watching. Some of these things were just too ridiculous. And then I tried watching it again with Ronda, and that <laughs> Dumble armbar really just made me turn it off. It was too ridiculous. Hmm. I think they got to stick more to the actual wrestling moves and not so much of actual fighting moves because this is not the UFC this is wrestling I want to see more suplexes more traditional type moves and yeah the storylines are not as good as you can see Rusev's storyline that's their lame attempt to be edgy which they've dropped completely at this point thank god yeah at this, at this point it's on but it's stuff like that lame attempts like that are, are not not making me come back or want to watch it again and I kind of want to build on that real quick because when you said that the whole Dean Ambrose fake punches things. That's honestly a huge problem with the actual wrestling aspect of it too. Because a lot of these indie style wrestlers or some of the 205 guys, they'll go up on the top rope to do these crazy moves and then you see the guy in the ring groggy for like five minutes just standing there doing nothing. Like It just takes you out of it. Like And I've told you this uh, not too long ago, CJ. You were talking about this um, the other day. Yeah, and I will never forget this. Ever. There was a video I saw on Twitter when 205 first came out, and they were having some sort of like six-man battle royale or whatever whatever it was. And there was a spot where everybody in the match was taking turns jumping over the top rope outside of the ring. And every single person just did a cool little flip that didn't look like it hurt or anything. Everyone was just kind of catching each other. It just looked so stupid. And then at the very end, what's his name? Jack Gallagher, right? The one with the umbrella? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't use the umbrella he, anymore, but yeah, that's the guy. Well, okay, so Jack Gallagher is the last one to do it. He, you know, does the goes against the ropes, acts like he's going to jump over the top rope, stops, rolls under the bottom rope, and just kind of smacks the last guy in the face. And I told, I sent that video to you, CJ, and I said, out is of it? that entire sequence, yes, I did. When? And out of that, well, when I first came out, it was just whatever 205 Live oh, first I came out. I don't remember, but I'll take your word right. for it. But yeah, but anyway, and I told you that that move that was done for a laugh that Jack Gallagher just did was more realistic than any of the other flips that they did before that. That's a huge problem. 
I mean, that's that in itself, like flippy shit, so to speak. How you want to call cruiserweight or junior heavyweight wrestling? It can be, it can take out of the, it can take you. It won't suspend your disbelief. It'll kind of take you out of the moment, unless you're someone who kind of just likes that. Who's just like, yeah, you know, this is, it's supposed to be insanely ridiculous and you've got to take your mind out of that. Like, okay. But at the same time, there is only so much of that you can do to where it just loses people. Cause I, but that, that's the thing though. It's not supposed to be insanely ridiculous. It's supposed to be somewhat realistic, right? Got to look No, real. no, you're right. That's absolutely right. It's, if that's kind of like someone's MO of a wrestler. I don't know, because cause times have changed, obviously. Times have changed since when all three of us were kids and watching wrestling growing up. But I kind of just, like, for me, I'm very hit or miss with the whole with the whole cruiserweight stuff. Like, it, it depends. Like, if it works for the aspect of the match, then, and if it looks like a, like a fight, so to speak, a nice blend between those two, that can be hard to do, but if there's a nice blend, then it really gets me invested. Like, one guy in particular who does that so well... And I know you guys don't really watch him, and Ed, I know you don't you don't watch him at all. You may not even know him. Is Will Osprey in New Japan? Will Osprey is a guy who who is junior heavyweight. Uh, just recently announced that he's going to be going to the heavyweight division. Um, but he's a guy who can, yeah, he does these amazing acrobatic moves, and he can do all these flips and everything. But he doesn't do them to be like, "Ooh, look at me! I can flip around and do all this fun shit." He guy hits hard, like. He, I once saw a video on Instagram of him having a match with Hiroshi Tanahashi, and he hits a like a hook kick and smacks Tanahashi so hard in the face. Like, like Will Ospreay, he's in there. Yeah, he can do these amazing moves and look like looks like Spider Man in the ring. But at the same time, remember another thing about Spider Man is that Spider Man can fight. Spider Man can come and he can come kick your ass, kicks all the bad guys' asses. So. It's one thing to kind of be like, oh yeah, I can flip around and do all this fun stuff, but you still have to look like the match is a fight and that you are getting your uh, the audience invested in you. Is that yeah. a common thing over there in Japan? Where no, no, it's... Well, realistic, yeah. Because in Japan, they work very stiff. A lot of guys are going to be hitting each other, but they know the other guys can take it. Uh, Joe, what were you going to say? Well, that being said, I have seen some, you know, some of the quote-unquote flippy shit that we've been talking about in Japan, too. But I was going to say that a, a company that does this really well, actually, is NXT. I mean, any most times when you see that type of style, mm-hmm. it's done really well because it, it's, it flows. You don't have a guy sitting there groggy for an hour waiting for a move to happen. You know, it doesn't – when they actually land, it looks like it hurts. You know, that's all I'm asking for. I don't care about, you know – people doing flips or not doing it. I couldn't care less. Just make it look like you're trying to hurt the other person. It's it's the illusion of hurting another person. And if you're going to go silly with it, go all out. Go Joey Ryan. Start flipping people with your penis. I don't <laughs> care. Because, like, I mean, wrestling is kind of inherently stupid to begin with. And, yes. if you, and many wrestlers before have embraced that stupidity and it's worked for them. And so, that's the, and you bring up a good point with Joey Ryan is Joey Ryan you know he's ridiculous you know from the get go he's ridiculous I I, right. I remember when his videos started popping up on on the internet at first I was just like this is stupid like why does anybody even like this but after a while I, I watched a bit and I saw some Joey Ryan matches here and there I'm just like Joey Ryan's actually really really good 
It's just sometimes you kind of have to do some ridiculous things to kind of get your name out there. And then when pe- people give a chance, get a chance on you, like like I took a chance on Joy Ryan. I'm like, I, I like this. Like, and I'm, I'm a fan of Joy Ryan now. But it comes after a while that, yeah, Joy Ryan is kind of a person, is a wrestler whose style is extremely ridiculous. You should just go in thinking you shouldn't take this too seriously. But he can put on a serious match. Difference is it's intentional. He's intentionally being silly. Yeah, and that's the Other thing. Other guys are trying to be <laughs> serious. Yeah. Now, would you mind that, Ed? Because I know you kind of like the whole uh, more realistic part of it. Like, would you mind that if it's done right? The whole kind of silly stuff. Well, if it's purposely done silly, it's funny. Like Santino Marella with the Cobra. I mean, come on, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, but that was on purpose. But something like uh, Ronda Rousey doing a double arm bar—that's supposed to be a silly <laughs> moment, yeah. and it's not. Yeah, I just—that's the thing. It, it depends on the person. It depends on the booking. It depends on all this stuff. And the wrestlers like doing all the 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 crazy outlandish cruise rate stuff. It can be bad, but there are instances in recent memory where cruise rate wrestling can be really great. Like like we watched growing up recently, and I told Joe about this, and I talked about this on another episode of the Pod one night. Is that uh, two guys in particular in NXT, like Joe, you said, who are phenomenal who work together are Angel Garza and Leo Rush. When Angel Garza won the Cruiserweight Championship from Leo Rush on an episode of NXT, it was one of my favorite cruiser ma- Cruiserweight matches I've ever seen in recent memory. Uh, because the crowd was invested in Angel Garza as a character and as a person, and they were invested in Leo Rush. Leo Rush was kind of being a bit of a heel and cheating a little bit, but the crowd was behind Angel Garza, and they wanted him to win so badly. And that's the thing, like you said, Joe, is that you need to people get invested in you, and how do you do that is you need to have a good character. And, and you also need to be charismatic. Yeah, and you see it from history, too. I mean, look at the Attitude Era, look at the Ruthless Aggression Era. The Attitude Era, if you look at my pie chart, had two out of the three things. They had great character work and mostly great storytelling. I mean, they took a couple of risks that didn't hit, but you know, it, you're gonna. It's, that's gonna happen when you take risks, right? But their wrestling style, you know, the wrestling quality of the matches wasn't amazing by any means, but it was still extraordinarily popular because you had two out of the three. The ruthless aggression era, in my opinion, had all three because they had the character work and the booking from the Attitude Era, but they also added wrestlers such as Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, so on and so forth. So today, right now, you only have one third of the pie. And I, I'm curious to see if Angel Garza and um, what was the other guy's name? I Le- forgot. Leo Rush. Leo Rush. All right. Would they have had the success in mainline WWE instead of NXT, where most of the viewers of NXT are more hardcore? They kind of like the pure wrestling part of it. And that's like, and that's the thing with NXT is that there are a lot of guys and girls who can do amazingly well on on Raw or SmackDown, who can do an amazing job, who have all the potential in the world, but we've talked, like, the three of us have talked about this to death. How many wrestlers from NXT have we seen gone up to Raw or SmackDown and the main roster has just completely butchered who they are? I mean... Roughly a million? Almost every single one. The only ones who come to mind that didn't, they didn't mess up when NXT was, like, and I'm I'm talking like yeah Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins were in NXT but I'm talking about when NXT started blowing up in like 2014 2015 guys like Finn Balor who 
I'm sorry, not Finn Balor, but guys like Kevin Owens and Charlotte are pretty much the two who have kind of been consistently booked well ever since they got called up to the main roster. Because, I mean, Charlotte feels like and is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. And she feels like a WWE uh, wrestler. Kevin Owens, I mean, you can fit him anywhere. You can fit him in AEW, you can fit him in Japan, you can fit him in Ring of Honor, NXT, doesn't matter where you put him. Kevin Owens can fit anywhere. But he, Except for tiny rooms. <laughs> but he's, he's a fat guy. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> don't be knocking on Kevin Owens. He's... <laughs> But he's one. But he's also a guy. Yeah, he's kind of had his fair share of like misbooking opportunities. But consistently, overall, I say he's been booked a lot better than someone like Finn Balor, where Finn Balor feels like a proper NXT guy. Sure, they gave him all this accomplishments of you know first ever Universal Champion. He's been IC Champion a couple times. Had some pretty good matches. But the one highlight for me for Finn Balor. Well, a few highlights for me for Finn Balor when he was on the main roster was when he won the Universal Championship from Rollins and when he had that match with Brock in the Rumble last year. Yeah, but what killed him in the main roster, I think, was the fact that he was just kind of bland and boring. I mean, he was just kind of, hey, uh, hello, I'm Irish. I, I show up and I and I do the wrestling and then I'm a demon every once in a while and then I'll go home. They, they, like it's that's they, not enough. You have to do a little more than that. The, the thing, but I don't blame that on Finn Balor. I blame that on booking because look at Finn Balor on NXT right now. He is awesome. He's back to who he should be. He's doing amazing character work in NXT right now. Like Raw and SmackDown, seeing him with that cheesy smile is just like, what the hell are you doing? This <laughs> this guy is money, and he can bring you a lot of money more than you think. And he's back in NXT, and I'm sure he's a hell. I'm sure, he's happy to be back there. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I just there's some. It's some wrestlers can have all the all the tools you need. They can be charismatic. They can be great in the ring. They can have a great character. But uh, but there's one thing as far as WWE goes. The bottom line is that if Vince doesn't see it, then oh well. Do you yeah. think the reason? the WWE is the way it is is solely on Vince McMahon it's solely his fault I was just about to ask that I wouldn't say it's solely Vince's fault but I would say it's majority Vince's fault and maybe some other people he surrounded himself with um uh, now, do you think that uh they're listening to the fans a little too much and when I say that I mean a lot of the times the louder fans don't always tend to be the majority and like I I have I'm a part of a bunch of, you know, wrestling meme pages and stuff like that. We both follow together. And a lot of those people are more, you know, wrestling style fans. It's still real to me, damn it. You know, they don't take showers. They don't go to the gym, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, so maybe when they see, when WWE guys look on social media and try and find feedback, they see the people who are really loud, who are just trying to say, hey, I want more wrestling instead of, you know, potentially the majority i'm not i'm not sure if it is the majority but i'm sure a good amount of people are in my boat and in ed's boat where it's like if you want me to watch every week you kind of need to give me something other than just wrestling i mean if i want to just watch the best wrestling matches i'll just watch the pay-per-views because that's always where the best wrestling is ever going to be you're never going to go to a raw or smackdown that has better wrestling than the pay-per-views at least not that's what it should be like. Uh, once, once, just... once in a blue moon, there will be those some matches on SmackDown and Raw that are just like match of the year worthy. But 
but for yeah, but as a general rule, yeah, but, not, yes, as a gen- as a rule of thumb, the pay per views are usually where you're going to see the better matches. Yeah, and then what brings you back every every time is that you want to see these guys have these storylines that wants you to come back for more. You want to see these guys shoot promos. You want to see Bray Wyatt do Firefly Funhouse every week. You want to see uh, you know Velveteen Dream have gay innuendos during during his uh, promos <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> like you, you want to see that kind of stuff and yeah. most people just aren't like that yeah there some people don't have that and i think there are a lot of wrestlers who probably don't have that character and one person who kind of comes to mind for me is uh cedric alexander where cedric alexander is amazing in the ring and he is a great pure technical wrestler high flyer like he's he can do it all but i don't think he's a guy that they trust with character i don't think i feel like maybe these guys can cut promos but their creative freedom is limited that's that's also that's also true it's 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 a there's two sides to the coin there is the side of well maybe there are certain guys that just aren't great on the mic or whatever and and like you said but there are plenty of other guys who do have the capability who can talk who who are charismatic and who are great in the ring, but they're not really given the opportunity to show it. Um, I would say, I'm trying to think of somebody. There's got to. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are like that, but aren't given a proper uh, proper opportunity. Um, I mean, there's probably there's plenty of bigger guys. Like I'd even say like guys like Seth Rollins and stuff like that who are technically really good, but I mean, I don't know it. it it seems like there's something missing, and whether it be booking, whether it be them, I'm not sure. It's probably some sort of mixture of both. I don't know. With Rollins now, he's he's fine now. He's doing better now. His heel run is going really well. He's got a faction behind him. He's for, for me, I think anything wrong with Rollins is is better now because he's a heel again, and that's where Seth Rollins shines. He shines the best as a heel. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, because I, I even watched some of these promos because I was interested to see how his recent heel turn is going, and I'm just like, wow, this guy. I, I don't care about him right now. I really don't. Well, let's let's also <laughs> he, let's also be fair to say that that you know, not the easiest going guy when it comes to your opinion. He is a casual fan, though, and, that's, <laughs> and it's, it's not, and it's, and it's not to say, Joe, that you know that. You, you that everything you you see is horrible. No, it's just I mean. Oh no, I'm opinionated for sure. Yeah, that's that's the thing, and yeah. But at the same time, I mean, for for you, Joe, who who are some guys and girls that stand out to you that would make you watch every week if some of these other things weren't happening? As in, like, what do you mean, other things? As other things, as in, like, things that just wouldn't that you don't care for, like certain storylines or whatever. But if, but who are people like? If they kind of made, just name some wrestlers like that you would watch every week for if you if you could deal with some of the other storylines. Kind of like, ah, I'm not paying attention to that. Well, I mean, you have the obvious ones like you know, Velveteen Dream or Bray Wyatt, who already have great characters. But I mean, like, from a pure booking standpoint, like, I'll take crappy booking if I, if I'm just enjoying what i'm seeing on tv so it's out it's honestly kind of hard to say with some wrestlers they could have potential that's untapped like look at bray wyatt before like i mean we all knew he was great from the wyatt family but we didn't know how good he could be with the fiend 
You know, so there's always going to be some sort of untapped potential there. But right now, probably guys like Kevin Owens are in a pretty good place. Guys like Samoa Joe are in a good place from, you know, a pure character level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys like that who can talk like like no one else, who can, you know, back up what they say in the ring, but then also kind of just have that thing about them that's kind of hard to explain, but you just feel like they're special. I, you know? fe- I feel like you said earlier that in the Ruthless Aggression era, it hit all your key points of character, uh, in-ring work, and... Uh, 100%. So, like, everything. But there are a few guys who, for me, have that, who keep me watching. Like, guys like... I think a guy like Samoa Joe is... He is one of those guys who hits all the categories you need. Um, he is great in the ring. He is super charismatic, and for me, when he he is the best person to cut a promo for me on the main on like Raw or SmackDown, he because when he speaks on the mic, I'm I am instantly drawn in, and he feels real. It doesn't feel formulated. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like he's reading from a script. I feel like Samoa Joe is one of those guys, just like yeah, Joe, kind of like do this. Here's some bullet points we want, but like you know, I feel like he's one of those guys where they're kind of like. You're okay with doing what you want. Yeah, and some people just have that natural charisma. I mean, they could probably read the Bible in the middle of the ring and still get, you know, crowd reactions. Exactly. You know, like, they just that, you know, guys like Stone Cold, guys like The Rock, you know, who could just say anything and it's automatically a big deal because they feel larger than life. And I think AJ Styles is on the same boat too, whereas AJ, um, I think it took him turning heel in 2016 to really shine as a babyface and a heel, because I think his babyface turn in 2017, when he turned babyface, his second babyface run in WWE was a lot better for me, a lot better than his first babyface run when he came to the WWE. Um, and now his heel run again. He's, I feel like he uh, he shines on the, like a lot of people are like oh you know you don't watch AJ Styles because he's not because because of, of his mic work. Well, you know what, his mic work has actually been really great. On, in uh, depending on the promo, but at least his in ring with WWE and the in, the mic work with WWE have been fantastic for me. So AJ and Joe are some of those guys who hit, hit those cylinders. Um, but I guess we're kind of like focusing a little too much on the now. But um, I want to ask both you guys: What would it take for you, um, if you? For, to watch every week and Ed I'll start with you because you're kind of like in the background here man I know there isn't too much you can talk about with the newer uh, stuff about wrestling what what would it take for you for uh, for you to watch maybe not every week but at least be more involved it's got to be a good storyline something that reaches out to the general public something that like it's hard to say because when I was a kid pretty much everything was, was good to me but now uh it's got to be a good storyline. It's got to be more realistic wrestling. That's pretty much it. It doesn't take me too much to get me interested into something. Well, I think also the fact that it's PG and and not more uh, more adult oriented probably another reason why I, I don't think, watch it anymore. I think there are some, and because I haven't, I'm watching a hell of a lot more than you are. <laughs> um, but I think there are some things out there. If I showed them to you. You would like it and you would get interested in it. It's just a matter of like, because I know for you, like I, I remember setting a, a Kenny Omega Okada match in the group chat one day and the match was like over an hour and you're like, I'm not watching a match that's over an hour. Like, 
I think the most you'll watch out of a match is like 30 or 40 minutes. Or norm, norm, matches are normally not an hour, though. Not typically, no. But I think the match I sent was like a build of like three other matches and, and like a two or three year long feud, and that's why the match was so long. Um. Okay. Uh, but Joe, for, what would it take for you to kind of pay attention more? Maybe not watch it. I guess for you, watch every week. I mean, again, I kind of just go back to the chart and kind of hit all the all the uh, things that you need to have a complete product. But another thing that I feel like they're not really doing is the wrestlers don't feel larger than life. You know what I mean? Like, when you saw guys like Eddie Guerrero even, who wasn't, you know, I mean, he was a beast of a man, but compared to other people at the time, he wasn't that big. But he's still far larger than life. He didn't feel like just another guy who was getting paid to do wrestling. No, exactly. He felt like a, a, a being, you know? And there's not too many of those guys in wrestling right now. I mean, they feel like, you know, they, they seem like they are who they are. They seem like they were given a contract and they're doing wrestling because, is there, you know, they like doing wrestling. Is there any wrestler, I guess for both of you guys, on the current WWE product, or maybe just in wrestling in general, if you think of somebody outside WWE, but anybody who you think of that could be on the level of a Rock or John Cena, Triple H, or Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, who's there full-time, if given the right tools and if booked correctly. Becky Lynch was almost there. She was everywhere before WrestleMania at one point. She was appearing on all the talk shows. People were, and, she, and she kept her character, Becky Lynch. She did Be- a great job. Becky is, I mean, Becky's still Becky, and her character's kind of the same. It's just, I think... Um, she's done a lot of the same stuff and people are, are t- starting to get a little tired of like some of the antics they're making her do. Now this thing with Shayna Baszler started and I think that's kind of going to pick things up a bit. Um, what about you, Joe? Well, that's a, Becky Lynch is a great example. I mean, she was really almost there. <laughs> she was almost at Stone Cold Devil. But I mean, the person who has all the tools right now is The Fiend. I mean, that's no question. I mean, he's under, he's, he's our generation of The Undertaker. Yeah. And, you know, he can carry the company on his shoulders if he really wanted to. I think that's, uh, that's a guy who I think what what we wanted from from a Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt, we have that now with The Fiend. Like the whole Undertaker type of vibe. Yeah, and even like, because I know that WWE tries not to give, you know, the spotlight to more weird guys i mean there's there's a reason why undertaker and kane and stuff like that were never like the main guy it was always guys like john cena the rocks don't call triple h blah blah blah. so i mean if they want to give it to an actual just guy uh alistair black could be that guy um i'm trying to think i mean you can give it to ah it's it's really hard (laughs) because again i'm trying to I, i think of a few guys for me velveteen dream can be that guy Adam, yes. Adam Cole can be that guy. He's a little on the smaller side, but he could be. Um, you could give it to a guy like, um, I mean, we, we you were just saying before, Ed, you know, and you too, Joe, like how, how popular Becky Lynch was like before Mania and she was everywhere, like everybody knew about her. There is one guy on the current roster who was getting like Steve Austin reactions almost louder, and that's Daniel Bryan. Brian, I mean, 
Joe, you and I talked about when we did the like the the top ten wrestlers of the decade list that Brian was getting like damn near, if not more, bigger reactions than Stone Cold when he would come out to the ring. Yeah, he was definitely more of a I don't want to say household name, but his movement was bigger than Stone Cold's for sure because it bled into you know the different sports. I mean, again, like like we said back then, the Islanders every time they score a goal, they still do the S chant every single time. Mm-hmm. So it still felt today. And and Brian, when his popularity, Ed, you were kind of like, I wouldn't say you were getting back into it, but you were paying attention a lot more than you were now. Yes, I was paying attention. That's because of CM Punk. <laughs> CM Punk mentioned this story. That's how I realized what was going on with him. Okay. Yeah, and I just, it's it's a certain thing like, at least with guys like Austin and Rock, Taker, Michaels, Triple H, Kurt Angle, whoever the case may be, even in like the mid-2000s, when they were able to catch lightning in a a bottle with a guy, they were still able to make him feel like really, really important. And not to say like guys like Daniel Bryan aren't important, but they still felt like a big, big deal. Nowadays, it's hard for them to catch lightning in a bottle with certain people. I mean, look at Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman, like... He was like massively over with the crowd in like mid to late 2017, and then they did like nothing with him. And I'll tell you, go ahead, Joe. No, 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 go ahead. You go. You go. I was going to say, would you also say maybe the hardcore fans don't know what they really want since they're always changing and turning on people? Um, I would say yes and no. I would say there are definitely fans who who boo people ironically because they're starting to get really popular, and that can be a real cancer to wrestling. Ugh. But what are you going to say, Joe? Well, I will say I may be the only person who believes this, but I'm a big believer in the little things matter. All I, the way down I to... I absolutely believe all the way, that. Yeah, I mean, all the way down to your entrance, your entrance theme. Remember Rob Van Dam? About him, there's nothing really about him other than his great, you know in-ring ability that stood out much he was a, he was a guy who liked wrestling he, mm-hmm. i mean i should hate him right but even that that one entrance team the one of a kind whenever that thing hit you were just ready you know it got you in that mood you were like mm-hmm. excited and that matters it matters so much imagine rob van dam without that song it, it's it, it's so it's just weird it, it was <laughs> you know? weird i rem- i remember uh SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, he had a different entrance theme, and it sounded similar to One of a Kind. It was Beautiful People, was it not? No, it was uh, It was by Shadows Fall, and it was Fury of the Storm. It's a great song, don't get me wrong. I think it's a great song, yeah. but but it wasn't Rob Van Dam. It didn't fit him in the game. And I don't know like when he had that for a, a, sh- a short period of time, but... One of a kind is Rob Van Dam's song. Like there are certain songs that just get you so pumped because oh my god, he or she is here. Like they're coming down to the ring. And we were uh, talking about it earlier with Chris Jericho. I mean, as great as he is, he's one of the greatest of all time. But when I watch Chris Jericho in AEW, I just feel like something's missing. And one of those things is he doesn't have break the walls down. His entrance theme, in my opinion, is hot garbage in AEW. And I'm just like, wow, he's just coming to the ring. I mean, whatever. To, to be fair, <laughs> he can't use break the walls down. Oh, that's fine. I understand that. But, I mean, use something better, for Christ's sakes. I, mean, yeah, I, think <laughs> I wouldn't he, say the entrance is a little thing, though. That's a huge thing, actually. I well, would, you'll be surprised about all the mouth breathers online. <laughs> that thing. I, I would say, <laughs> but, but I would say that Jericho, I, and with, with you, Joe, I know that's your opinion, but you're in the very, very 
small minority when it comes to that because oh for sure there was um, an episode of Dynamite AEW Dynamite when they had on Jericho's cruise ship the entire the entire boat when they were when he was coming down to the ring for his match I saw this they just kept they sang the entire song even after the the song had finished playing so there are still now, let me ask you what, though who's watching those shows Who's on those who's on those cruises? I would say the hardcore wrestling fans. There you go. <laughs> I mean the, I mean, I mean how much of a majority is that really? I'm not I'm, it's it's hard to say because the majority might not be the majority because there could be a lot more people watching. Well, Remember, I'll, SmackDown I'll, in a row would get you know more than 5 million views before, you know years ago. Um well I'll say this. Recently, I think AEW's uh, last TV taping, let's say they had, like I think, over 830,000 people. And then NXT had, like, 750,000 people watching. So, that's 1,580,000 people watching two different shows in total. Mm-hmm. Now, you may think that's kind of a small number. I mean, a big number. But... Compared to a larger wrestling audience, it's kind it's of really not. It's really not, um, because I mean, even though there's a lot of great wrestling out there, there are a lot of fans who only watch Raw or SmackDown and don't watch NXT and don't watch AEW. Um, so it makes you wonder. But anyway, I think we've covered a lot on the what's going on today as far as wrestling. But I guess we should kind of go back a bit and say, like, what kind of made us fans as just in general? Everyone was a big deal. Even Funaki, the little guys, everyone was a big deal. (laughs) Everyone's matches were good. It was just it was just a good experience overall from beginning to end. And just because what is raw three hours now? Yeah. Hours. They don't have to make it three hours to be good. It was fine with the regular two hours. I think that was that was more of USA's call rather than uh, WWE. Like USA said, they wanted to have Raw three hours, and WWE's like, all right, because because they're giving them more money for it to be like three hours. It's like more advertisements. But honestly, a three-hour show isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as you do it right. I mean, what Ed said was exactly correct. Everything fit like a puzzle. Everyone had a job even the jobbers had jobs and people cheered the jobbers i remember mm-hmm. <laughs> you know tajiri and you know gold dust and all these guys back when no one gave a damn you know they, they were still interesting and yeah the way that as big as the roster is now you can easily fill a three-hour show on raw and you could probably make smackdown three hours too and fill that with no problems i, I think if it, you know oh. if the puzzle pieces fit I think the thing is, like, yeah, Raw can for sure be good in three hours. I mean, there are pay-per-views that are three hours that are great pay-per-views. But you kind of have to... You have to have compelling storylines, and you have to have good characters, and that's something that the Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression Era had. Um, For me, I mean, my favorite guy in the Attitude Era was was Austin. Austin was the guy who kind of brought me in. I've mentioned it before that... I would remember I'm flipping through channels as a kid, and I remember, turn. I remember seeing Raw. I remember seeing uh, Vince and Shane and The Rock in the ring, and Austin comes out with the beer truck, and he and he sprays them with beer, and I'm like, what is this? This is crazy. Um, and Ruthless Aggression era. I mean, you had guys like Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, Edge, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio. 
um, who really just enticed you because they not only were great characters, but they had great wrestling matches. Um, I guess we'll kind of go around. Um, Joe, what, what made you a wrestling fan to start? Uh, I, th- I think I actually said this on your podcast before. I mean, I, w- I watched wrestling earlier because my dad would tape um, uh, VHS tapes of older wrestling, and you know he'd watch it with me every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But the first time I actually started watching wrestling week in, week out, it was on Monday Night Raw. Uh, Raw's War. It was in like 99 or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And it was that segment where, and by the way, isn't that you know interesting where I remember segments more than matches because on a TV show, that was the you thing. Had to, you had to build yeah. segments. But it was a segment where The Undertaker, Ministry Taker, kidnapped Stephanie McMahon and tried to force her into a blood marriage. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Stone Cold came in and saved her and everything. And any normal human being would be like, oh, Stone Cold, yeah, that's it's awesome. No, I was the sick bastard who liked Undertaker, the one who tried to, you know, <laughs> force a woman against her will to marry him. <laughs> and ever since then, I, I was hooked. And I started getting yeah, into cause... other guys like Kane and Goldust and, you know, Stone, you know, Stone, Stone Cold eventually, and you know, guys like that. Well, I mean, Taker's your guy; he's your favorite. Oh yeah, so, easy. All right, um, Ed. What what was the like match or segment that kind of made you a fan of wrestling? All the Eddie Guerrero segments, and sure, the <laughs> matches were good, but in order to like a wrestler, their segments need to be good. They need to catch your attention, and mm-hmm. his comedic way of doing things, and his serious, and the way of turning a switch and being serious. That brought my attention, and obviously when he worked with other guys, it spread my knowledge to the other guys too. So that's pretty much what made me like it. Okay. Was It was Eddie that drew you in. Was it when you were on here, was it when you saw him with Los Guerreros, that like early yes, 2000s? Yes, when, when he came out with Chavo and, and, the, and the car, I mean, that's a cool way to come into, right? So that's, so that's going to immediately so that's grasp like, So that's like early 2000s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that for lack of better terms, like that kind of is our era. Like we we kind of we're kind of the guys who are like towards the end of the Attitude Era into the Ruthless Aggression Era. Like that was our era of wrestling, which was just like oh my god, like we were obsessed and we loved it because you had obviously the most profitable era, profitable era of wrestling for the WWE was the Attitude Era, and when guys like Austin and Rock are starting to leave. Um, and you're not sure what your future is, in comes these other guys, you know, guys like Edge comes up on the rise. Kurt Angle was Attitude Era, but I think the best version of Kurt Angle was the tail end of his WWE career. Um, and then you have Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, John Cena was coming up, Rey Mysterio, Rob Van Dam, um, and then the rise of Dave Batista. All these guys who just, lack of a better, just made things just really, really great to watch. And at some points, uh, you wouldn't believe, wouldn't believe it now if you're not a wrestling fan, but SmackDown was the better show from most nights on, on, uh, on WBTV. And you know, what probably helped too was the bigger wrestlers, the ones that were more populated, popular, Mm -hmm. put the little, the, the jobbers into the mix. They did segments with jobbers. Remember the rock hurricane helms. Mm -hmm. I mean, who the hell was going to know who hurricane helm was? Yeah. Unless the rock pushed rock put over hurricane helms, huge. And And then you got the APA with, with random dudes drinking and and that shit was funny. That was what made it funny. (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually a big reason why I respect a guy like Randy Orton, because when you look back in his career, there was a lot of times where he just went to the undercard because it was his time. 
I mean, he was easily, he could have easily been a guy that's like, oh, it's my spotlight. I want to keep it on me for the rest of my career. But that's, that's kind of what you, ha- what you have to do as a wrestler. You have your time in the spotlight and you leave. But to your point with, you know, once the bigger guys left, the other guys stepped up, you can only really do that if you have a full show. If you have from top to bottom, everyone fits. It's, it's kind of like running a baseball team. If you trade, if you you know lose a couple of guys in free agency, guess what? You got a farm system, and you just bring them up, and there you go. You, they they step in. You know you, you can't really imagine that happening in today's WWE because if the big guys leave, the smaller guys haven't really been getting TV time or haven't really been getting you know the big pushes that they're supposed to get. So people are if, once you try and push them, people are going to be like, well, hold on, where the hell are these guys come from? Yeah, you know? so there, it, there has it, to be. It really is about balance. There is balance, and there has to be an organic build with people, and there has to be something else going on on the side for you to care about someone coming up when they eventually get to the top of the card. Like, um, I'm trying to keep as best as I can going back, but there's so many things that are going on now that I just can't help but bring up. Like, currently what's going to be happening at the the Blood Money pay-per-view known as Super Showdown, um, uh-huh. uh, we're going to be getting Brock Lesnar defending the WWE title against Ricochet. Now, for me as a fan of Ricochet, I think that's awesome. I think it's amazing that they want to put Ricochet in this on the same level as Brock Lesnar, and I think the match will be amazing. However, how they're booking Ricochet currently, they're not even giving you a slight chance of thinking that he's going to win the WWE title. When Finn was feuding with him, uh, with Brock, for the Rumble last year, they at least did a better job of making you think Finn had a had a chance, and it spoke in the ring of how great it was. And and again, the it'll probably speak in the ring of how great the match will be. But there, all another thing is sometimes it's the build and the journey of what gets you to a match that makes you invested and wanted to see it. I remember watching WrestleMania 23, and I was heavily invested in Batista versus The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels versus John Cena at, at that WrestleMania because the build of both those two matches were absolutely incredible to me growing up. They might I might have a different opinion watching it now, but just growing up, I was just heavily invested in those two matches the most on the Mania card that year because you had four... Uh, guys who really made that era. Cena, Batista, Taker, Michaels. Four guys who, who, well, Michaels and Batista are now in the Hall of Fame, but Taker and Cena, who are for sure Hall of Famers, whenever Taker wants to retire, we don't know. Um, <laughs> but the build made me excited for those matches, and they were great matches. Now, Ricochet and Lesnar is probably going to be a really good match. Hopefully, you don't know considering the booking and Saudi Arabia, we don't know. But the journey right now and the build for it, I'm not invested because they're having him beat guys like Bobby Lashley and Carl Anderson, guys who don't feel important at all. Another problem that WWE is doing, we mentioned earlier that there are a lot of great guys who we watched growing up, you know, Goldberg, Taker, Steve uh, Steve Austin, Rock. Um, But a big problem what they're doing is they're trying to still use those guys and, sh- and present them as superstars rather than the roster they have now. Yeah, they're kind of using them to bring in a you know the the older fans, but the problem is you have to use them right because if you bring in say you know the Rock for a show, that the fans are only going to watch for a show, for one show and that's it. They're going to 
be gone once The Rock leaves. So you have to leave them with something they want to continue to watch. Like when uh, SmackDown first went to Fox, my dad watched it. And he hasn't watched wrestling since, you know, the way early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, he's far gone. But he, you know, he heard there was a bunch of stuff going on. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and watch. And so a bunch of guys showed up. And the problem with that show was, yeah, you saw the older guys, but nothing really happened. I mean, the, only <laughs> the good- older guys got the, got the final word. They, you know, were, they had got their hand raised if they were involved in anything, which I think was only the rock at that point. And they just went on. And that's that was it. He's like, okay, that, that's the it. The best part about that show it was the segment between Becky, Rock, and Baron Corbin. Now, wow, a Baron Corbin segment was actually really good. But that's because of Rock and Becky. That was the best thing in the entire show. They had all these guys and girls, like, lined up for the show and advertised and some of them didn't even show up like Goldberg was advertised for that show he didn't show up or maybe he showed up I think like on the sidelines or whatever Uh, Taker was supposed to come and then he didn't show up and one thing that kind of breaks my heart about Taker now is just I mean just him wrestling nowadays but also um, uh, him on social media because he was the one guy who didn't break kayfabe even when kayfabe was completely dead and broken he now has social media, and someone like tweeted at him or something or on Instagram, and he's just like, you know, what happened? Where are we supposed to be? And he's just like, card subject to change. They told me they didn't need me. Yeah, know. but like even that Rock segment on that SmackDown, I honestly don't even think it was that good of a segment. And the reason why I think that is because at the end of the segment, the Rock seemed to shadow, overshadow everyone else. You know, and like, that's the problem. The, the thing that you should have done was had Baron Corbin actually win that exchange. Or at, or at least had Baron Corbin best the Rock and then Becky do something to Baron Corbin okay. because you know have at least one of these guys come out on top in the segment because then the older fans that showed up are like oh that guy looks pretty cool he beat up the Rock let me see what he does next week you know I'm kind of interested that's but the, no of course not but that is just, the thing they are yeah. presenting to you that these part time guys and these guys who come in once in a while are a bigger deal than the guys we have now. Whether that's the message they're trying to send or not, or they just like ah, oh, well, you know, we're making a lot of money despite the fact. No, you need to present your your roster as a big big deal, and they just don't. That's why. I mean, I honestly believe, and it's probably and definitely true, that there are people who just probably watch when Brock shows up, and then they'll stop watching until Brock shows up again. Well, for sure. And as much as I don't like Brock Lesnar with a championship, yeah, you can't deny that he's a draw. Yeah. Um, what happens when he's not available anymore? That's WWE's problem. That's their problem, and you know, I th- I think Brock will keep. I think he'll keep going because he's being on a part time basis. Um, I mean, when he came back, he was still like I think Brock's like what? He's almost forty at this point. When he came back, he was in his early to mid thirties. He got into the company really, really young when he first started. So they can use him for a long time because he is part-time. But eventually Brock is going to want to retire. Eventually Brock is going to want to be like, all right, I've got a lot of money now. I don't need to keep doing this. He's got a lot of money to begin with already. But that's the thing. What's going to happen to the company once these part-time guys really can't do what they're doing uh, anymore? Well, Brock kind of symbolizes what's wrong with WWE too. Is you know they rely on a handful of guys way too much. Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression Era, everyone mattered. And here you got you know Seth Rollins, uh, the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. Those are the top three, and you know no one's really 
disputed well, that for any, any would, longer time than like a year or two. I would say now coming up, Drew is definitely on that rise. Drew McIntyre is definitely on being put on that level with guys well, like... We'll see if he stays there. Well, let's hope he stays there because I legitimately love Drew McIntyre and I don't know which which I marked out for more, when Edge came back at the Rumble or when Drew won it. I legitimately don't know what I reacted bigger to. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, like, I think with a guy like Drew McIntyre, they are doing a good job, and I would hope that him and Brock are in the main event, and then when he, when, hopefully when he beats Brock Lesnar, he will be treated as a big deal. Because to me, Drew is, is the guy who can be the top babyface. He can be the top babyface over anybody else. Because his story has been organically built, and they've put him over huge, but not only eliminating Brock Lesnar and setting up their Mania match, but winning the whole damn Rumble. Yeah, I'd have to see more from him on the mic and from you know and all that other stuff. But yeah, I mean, I can totally see him he's taking very, over the reins. But he's been very good on know. the mic as of recent yeah. in recent memory. He's been very good. Oh, okay. Um, but I think also we talk about there are guys who need to be put in a better position and need to be felt more like a bigger deal that's also going to take time they need to stand out like joe said everybody has a long hair and beard no one stands out including mcintyre <laughs> but the thing is mcintyre is friggin' huge he's yeah he's a beast as, as big yeah. if not bigger than lesnar and he has a hairy chest <laughs> and he's damn sexy <laughs> no he said he said that one time <laughs> real quickly I was at a house show a couple years ago with, uh, in Madison Square Garden, and there was a triple threat uh, match in a house show. It was Drew, Finn, and I want to say Bobby Lashley. I want to say Bobby Lashley, somebody. But Drew and Finn were definitely in it. And Finn, like, uh, wins the match or something, and then, or somebody wins, or Drew wins the match, and he's a heel at this point. Oh, Oh, I remember. It was Finn, Ziggler, and uh, McIntyre because Ziggler and, and McIntyre kind of thing. They broke up. And Z uh, McIntyre gets on the mic. People are booing him. And he's like, You people don't appreciate a star when you see one. I am, I've am. i got the look. I'm great in this ring. And I'm damn sexy if I don't say so myself. <laughs> Finn Balor, you're lucky we man. <laughs> Get in my belly! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, Drew can show character, he can be serious, but he can be really funny like he was in the, that house show. Um, but again... I want to see a Drew, Drew McIntyre fat bastard uh, <laughs> sumo match. <laughs> no, don't do that. You'll ruin him. Get it they going, do Vince. Need, they do need to be funny, though. Rock yeah. is hilarious. That, that helps a lot. Who's hilarious? Being funny. Being hilarious helps in 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 wrestling. But who who did you say is hilarious? Everyone was hilarious. I'm talking about in the past. I don't know who's funny now, but what he said right now, if he Not said many he, people, if he said if he called himself sexy, that's pretty funny. Drew, Drew is is pretty funny. He's starting to show that right now with his recent babyface turn. Comedy goes a long way. Stone Cold was making jokes all the time. That's why he was loved. But the thing is, comedy has to be. If you're not a typical comedy wrestler, like Santino Morello was a comedy wrestler. But you also have to have comedic timing, and that exactly, yeah. that can also right. that can also go to effect of well, we know you're funny, but we're still going to keep you serious to a certain degree because that's what we want you to be. Like they did that with Kurt Angle, 
with which to me I think Kurt Angle probably has the best comedic timing of any wrestler ever. Stone Cold Steve Austin had it. Um, Drew has it. He's show at least he's showing it. Um, but there are also Triple got H. Triple H he and Shawn Michaels like a lot Rock like all these guys can be funny, but there are also guys who can be funny. But then that just makes them their thing, and then nobody takes them seriously. And I'm talking about Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. Um, <clears throat> towards the tail end of his WWE uh, run, he would, I mean, or almost, almost up until like whenever he, unless he was doing the Shield, the only thing he was treated as was this hokey, wacky, crazy guy. And uh, Joe, you said that constantly, all the time when he was on the yeah. roster. And I'm like, I'm trying to look past that because I know as a wrestler, he's really good. Um, but we all saw what happened with him. He got fed up with what was going on. His contract expired and he left the WWE. And he went on to, he's currently working in New Japan. He's working at AEW. He's doing indie dates. So Moxley is doing better now outside of the company. And right now he's the top baby face on AEW, and he's right now he's going to be facing Jericho for the title at the pay per view next Saturday, as time of us recording this. And it goes to show that wrestlers, even if they're being mistreated, they can do better somewhere else. We talked about that with Finn Balor earlier. He was, you know, he wasn't doing great on Raw and SmackDown, but he's doing better in NXT, where honestly he never should have left. John Moxley is doing better in AEW since he's left the WWE. Um, because I know we're talking about like wrestling in general, and I know you guys, your knowledge is more WWE, but are there any guys who you could see have who may be being mistreated if given a second chance by WWE to be like, or, or a chance in general, be like, okay, let's roll with this guy. Or can you see someone doing really well in another company? I don't, I honestly don't want anyone to go to AEW because I just don't like AEW style. So I, mean, I would definitely wouldn't want them to go to another company, but I mean, I think people like Ember Moon need to be a star and they just haven't really used her at all. Um, but really quick, before I lose this thought, I do want to go back to Ed's point real quick because he did make a great point. Go ahead. It feels like wrestling is so serious right now. <laughs> There's no, the, every, And he was right. Everyone on the roster pretty much was able to be funny. Even guys like Undertaker and Kane, where they didn't have to say any jokes, but all the jokes just kind of bounced off them, which made it funny because they did big, serious guys. And you got you know someone else trying to you know riff off them and it's well, just not if you working. Remember, if you remember uh, the segment between Rock Hogan and Kane backstage. Well, that one Kane joined in, but yeah, yeah. But like, I'm, even but, but I'm saying, like, but that's what I'm saying is that Kane is funny. Even right. Kane, even Kane had comedic timing. Actually, yeah. he's proven and, he has comedic timing in, in a bunch of different segments. Yeah, and nowadays you have guys like the Street Profits. Who else? New Day, I guess. Uh, like, I'm struggling to think of the people who actually, you know, are able to make us laugh. And at the end of the day, wrestling is an entertainment show. I mean, it it is sports entertainment. I know you don't like people don't like turn, but it is what it is. You but, know, it, it's a, first and foremost an entertainment show. But the thing, <laughs> the thing is with New Day, they're on the example of yes, they can be very funny and be very entertaining, but they're also treated seriously when the time comes. 
Uh, Edge and Christian were other guys who were like they were very funny, but they're guys who were treated. But when they got, in, but when there was time to go in the ring, they were serious and they were all jokes are aside. Um, there was literally. Just- That's what I'm talking about, though. Like, I'm not saying to have more comedy acts. I'm just saying, have more people be. No, that's what I, that's. I understand. That. I understand your point. Like, oh, okay, okay. Be, you can be funny, but you but you also be serious when the time is needed. That's my worry about the street profits is that I'm afraid they're just going to Enzo and cast them and just kind of like. Oh my god! And, and, and you you, uh, that's my. Profits. You look them up, Ed. I never, yeah, is this crime time or no? No, it's not crime. <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, okay. When, when this when this funny. when this is over, Ed. Look up some of their stuff. They're very funny. Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins, they're very funny. They're... They do look funny. This guy's raising his hand and wearing a crown. That's pretty yeah, funny. That, mostly Montez King, Ford. The King, other guy's King kind of a waste Tez. of air. air but... <laughs> Montez Ford. And Mont- Montez Ford is also a guy who I think can go very far in the company if given the right tools and booked correctly. Yeah, for sure. Because that's Their name some... alone is funny. Street Profits. That's freaking yeah. great. It's great. They're, they're a great team. But the thing is, is that I'm afraid that they're just gonna use them to be comedy guys and nothing more. Like like Crime Time was, Enzo and Cass were very entertaining too. But the thing was, they, they just used Enzo and Cass to get Cass over as a heel, and we all saw how that worked out. That breaks my heart. Oh, I loved Enzo and Cass. They were the most unique uh, group of group of guys, two guys who I have seen in a long time. It's amazing to see because because because. Correct me if I'm wrong. We've never seen a duo like Enzo and Cass before, right? Oh yeah, they were called the New Age Outlaws. I no, I don't no, not like not not what I mean. I mean the whole when they came. No, I don't. I don't mean, I don't mean the New Age. No, I know what you mean. Though. I know what you but mean. like you know, like the 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 big muscle guy, and then the, the kind of like shorter Italian mob boss esque. Don't, don't even try and yeah, don't even try and explain Enzo. He's just something else entirely. <laughs> <laughs> but right. yeah, you're right. And wasn't I think what killed him though was merchandise. Wasn't that the FBI though? Full blooded Italians. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, yes and no, they weren't. Because the thing is, is that I can name a few funny Enzo and Cass segments, but I can't name anything from the FBI. Honestly, I can't. Yeah, the funniest thing that come out of the FBI was little Italian nunzio running around, kind of just being greasy or something. I don't know, <laughs> doing Italian things. That's about it. But the thing is. They sold a lot of merchandise. They had, like, again, very similar to the New Age Outlaws. Their entrance was iconic, and it was very... Uh, but you had someone chanting to your entrance down to the ring. I mean, you're over. I mean, I, I went I went to take over Brooklyn 1 with Sean, and they did an NXT TV taping beforehand. And when they, they were in an eight-man tag, it was them and I want to say... Uh, it was Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder were, the, were their partners, and they faced the Revival and American Alpha. Uh, that's Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. Um, I remember they were the ones who came out, and their music hit, and people are, are they reacted huge for them. And I and as they're going down to the ring, I just go to Sean. I said, I don't understand how they're not on the main takeover card. I do not understand that. I don't understand how like this is this show is for them. Like this is kind of like their backyard. It's Brooklyn. You know, how many like stereotypical Italian guys are in, who are in Brooklyn? <laughs> I mean, Ed was one of them and he's Ecuadorian. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that that might actually be part of the problem is the merchandising because I think merchandise is actually what killed them because once Vince saw that it was popular, that whole thing 
he was like, oh, you do that and nothing but that. So they went to the ring and only did their little spiel. And you that's sell it. merch and nothing else, else, damn it. Yeah, I'm going to put it on t-shirts, coffee mugs, whatever. You know, he so when it. in yeah, NXT, exactly. they were always talking and always doing their own thing. But then when it came to the main roster, they did their little spiel and that was it. They just, they felt like watching, watching, walking merchandise. Yeah. Vince has had a history of overdoing stuff, like Jake the Snake. He always did the snake thing, and it got old. Well, the thing well, is, with Jake, the XFL being around, hopefully he stays well, away. Well, Jake the Snake was was over at one point, and he was a guy who was like, you know, he was so over he didn't need the title. He was just Jake the Snake. Um, right. But you yeah. don't need the title. You just need to be in a good spot on the card. That's the thing. You need to be over. You just need to be right. over. And if you're over enough, they will put the title on you. And Eventually, you will become such a big draw that you don't need to have the title. But the thing is, there are a lot of guys who don't feel that way. And there are some guys who feel that way, but they're not there just yet. Um, I look that's at... Prob- the- that's probably why the title doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean as much as it used to, I guess. Well, I mean, we have a guy like Brock. I mean, sure, when Brock has it, it feels important. But when the title's not around, why should I care? Yeah. Like, why should I watch when the guy who is your, when the guy who is supposed to be your top guy, your champion, is not around on TV every week? Why should I watch? At the same time, I will play devil's advocate here. I kind of don't blame him for titles not being as important because the roster is so big and you have two different shows. You kind of have to have the titles. And remember, back in the day, they only had one women's championship. Now they have two women's titles, a women's tag title. You know, and they have the twenty four seven title, the cruiserweight, this, that, the other. I mean, they have so many titles because they have so it, many people. I talked about it with Sean. Title. I talked about it with Sean a long time ago that there are way too many championships in the WWE. Way too yeah. many championships. Like when they, when they introduced the twenty four seven title, I'm just like, well, that's what, disgusting. What, first of all, that title. Yeah, it is disgusting. I was just like, what the f is that? Why would anyone want that in the first place? It's essentially a jobber title. I, they're try at first. It was done really well with the bits between Drake Maverick and R-Truth, and that stuff was really funny. But I think the 24-7 stuff has ran its course. It's it's just It doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't feel important anymore. It's just, just not any entertaining anymore, honestly. It's but not- even then, the 24-7 title and the Cruiserweight title aren't exactly like huge you know parts of every well, show well here's you know? the well here's but the thing get rid of them. but here's the thing is that the is the, the cruiserweight title is now nxt and now it's been properly changed to the nxt cruiserweight championship oh okay and when you have it on workhorse guys guys like angel garza who is the former champion jordan devlin who's the current cruiserweight champion which uh joe i think you'll really like jordan devlin um when you have it against just just workhorse cruiserweight guys that's where it shines because and just keep the title on NXT and just have guys fight for it over there. You don't need to have it on the main roster because again, we have way too many championships on the main roster to begin with. What do you think is the uh the solution to that? Maybe like one men's title, one mid card, one women's one and one tag for each? Well, something th- like that. Well, the thing is that you'd kind of have to get rid of the branch but to begin with. I don't think so, though. Because, like, what happens if you have the WWE title on Raw and the Intercontinental title on SmackDown, and that's kind of like the coveted title for SmackDown, right? So it, it kind of raises the inter- IC title up. You just get rid of the U.S. title altogether because, honestly, it doesn't have that much prestige to begin with. It's not going to be missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get rid of one of the tag titles and have that on one show and, you know, have the woman's title on maybe SmackDown or something, and then the women's tag 
on another show, you know, you, you kind of split the split the difference, you know. So there's less titles, but they feel more important on each of those shows. I mean, yeah, that's the th- that could work, but the other thing is is that how are the storylines going to be executed at that point? If it's currently the way it's going, then for for that for me for that to happen, they would need to execute better storylines for that to have less championships. Oh yeah, they'd have to be more creative because you'd have to have more storylines that don't revolve around a title. Because they could do a big episode on SmackDown or Raw and just say, "This is what we're gonna do now, and this is how it's gonna be." But if the product is still kind of the same, then just keep the championships where they are. Just, just my I agree opinion. with that. Just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I because for me, I kind of look at it like um, like Star Wars uh, in a sense. Um, and I'll, I'll explain this in a second. So you have the new Star Wars movies that were run by Disney where you had a lot of people are very hit or miss with it. Where you have, uh, in my opinion, you had two, uh, one really good movie and another really good movie and one horrible movie. And then you have The Mandalorian over on Disney+, Plus, which is phenomenal. It's amazing. I think anybody would like it, even if you're not a Star Wars fan. What I don't get is like how... like. Mandalorian's kind of supposed to be like your it's not the main Star Wars storyline but it's so amazing and so well done whereas the the main Disney trilogy Star Wars movies are the ones that you're trying to get more people to watch I look at it kind of like Raw and Smackdown and NXT where Raw and Smackdown get the most viewers and are more well known but the product isn't that great and then I look at NXT and that's the best pure wrestling show they have in their entire company. And that's not even like played to like, you know, five to 10,000 people every night. It's like three or 400 plus people in full sale. But see, that's the thing though. It's the best pure wrestling show by far, but I mean, as does it have the whole package and it definitely has better booking, but it, you know, and I like NXT, don't get me wrong, but watching NXT, it's still like, I don't have enough characters there. So, I mean, they're not perfect either in my opinion. So I mean, they still have work to do either way. I mean, my thing—it's not just one easy answer. I, I mean, my thing is, is that they—the thing is, if it's consistent, really great booking, if everybody really feels important, that's that's my thing. Everybody on NXT feels important. Adam Cole in the whole undisputed era, Johnny Gargano, Finn Balor, Matt Riddle, Pete Dunne, Tommaso Ciampa. Um, the women's division of NXT is the best women's division of all of wrestling in the world right now. Fight me, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Rhea Ripley. Shayna Baszler when she was there, Gianna Perrazzo, Chelsea Green, um, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, Bianca Belair, uh, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, all these women feel important, and all of them tomorrow could easily become NXT Women's Champion, and you could believe it. Um, that's that's the thing. Like, Yeah, they may have a little ways to go as far as hitting the entire total package, but I think overall they've got... like. 90% of that and the booking is consistently great every single week and the only reason I wouldn't watch NXT live one night is because there's something on Dynamite that might make me want to watch more or I'm just kind of flip-floppy because those are my two favorite shows to watch or AEW and NXT yeah I mean it's always going to be a really tough task to please everybody because you know there's you know that saying you can't please everybody and we do ask for them to pl- try and please everybody, but the reason why we ask that is because they proved that they could. In the past, they 
they had wrestling for everybody. The pure wrestling fans had their wrestling. The guys like me had their wrestling. Guys like Ed had their wrestling. I mean, you know, everyone was happy. So the only we only have these high expectations because we saw we seen them. We just want that back. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. They had the whole package, like Joe said. Even things that were so ridiculous made it work. Teddy Long having a heart attack in the middle of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that is what I'm talking about. It's funny. It works. You piece of shit, I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy Long having a heart attack. I'm glad we all think that's funny. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm glad we all think I'm that's funny. I remember these insignificant things because they just stay in your mind because it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, back as a, as a kid, like we would just look at it like, oh, no, Teddy's having a heart attack, but now it's funny. Now it's funny to see <laughs> things like that. I mean, that's another thing. A guy like Teddy Long, who was just the general manager of SmackDown, the greatest general manager of SmackDown, by the way. For sure. Um, just looking at a guy like him, someone who shouldn't have felt important, because that's the way they make, they've made general managers feel like from the past seven years or eight years or so, that general managers mean nothing and they're not important, unless you're Shane or Stephanie. Um, but a guy like Teddy Long... He was just funny. He was just entertaining. He, like, you knew when shit was going down between five guys. The two, <laughs> the two heels are gonna, you know, insert heel name here, and insert babyface name, babyface names here. We all gonna have a tag team match, and then heel A or heel or babyface <laughs> babyface on the side it's like yep. and you are going one on one with Donna take a play up like, <laughs> like, we knew that was coming but but we were waiting for that to happen we were waiting for that shit to be like come on say it say it say it like and Teddy was just funny like you know he I mean, we said the whole wedding thing with like what's her name I think her name was Crystal again and yeah. to Ed to your point I should not remember who this girl is but I do I remember who she yep. is because uh, they had a piece they were a piece <laughs> of the puzzle it worked oh my god and I don't think we're saying this from like you know oh we're millennials and everything we saw as kids is better because we saw it as no, kids no like, no that's not from an objective standpoint it's just it makes sense I but here's the thing though I think kids nowadays like in ten years they're gonna say this like this current state of wrestling is better than our era of wrestling growing up but I think that's the thing is that that's just gonna ha- kind of how it's gonna be. Well, you can't miss what you don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there is you also have to have some proof, right? Uh, is there proof that this is the better era than the one we grew in? No, there isn't. But in? but. Younger kids are probably going to say that, but I'll go back to the whole Star Wars thing again. Is that yes, there are people who kind of say like, "Well, I like." People are going to be like, "Oh, I like the, the originals because they are the best," or people are going to say like, "Oh, I love the prequels because I grew up," or I or kids be like, "I love this version because it's this and that." But there is not a shadow of a doubt that the original three Star Wars films are the best, and for us, there is not a shadow of the doubt that we think. The tail end of the Attitude Era into the Ruthless Aggression Era is the greatest uh, era of wrestling. Just look at the ratings and that's your proof, right? Yeah, the proof is in the pudding, as they would say. And Uh, what are you going to say? And there's stuff to be learned from other uh, eras, too. I mean, another big thing that I think wrestling is missing is managers. And this is kind of before our time, too, because we kind of started watching in the late 90s. I mean, I'm talking about early 90s with, you know, Jimmy the heart mouth of the south, you know, 
Bobby, uh, Bobby, Bobby the Brain Hitting, yeah, Paul Ham, uh, Paul Ham, uh, uh, Paul Bear, and all these guys. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were accompanying guys who really couldn't speak for themselves. Paul, you know, you so can, if you, you can, didn't have a character, who you cares? Can, you Your can, manager's you can, you can say Paul Heyman too because he was in WCW. You know, uh, the Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, Alliance. you're right. You're right. So he's been a manager a lot longer than people for most fans think. Like, if you aren't aware of that, then you won't know. Yeah, um, but even then, like you know, I don't want to insult guy a guy like you know. Andrade, because he, who knows, he could be really good on the mic. He could be a great, you know, solo guy with a great character and everything. But having Zelina Vega there to accompany him just t- takes his character to that next level. I think so you too. Know? I agree with that a thousand percent. I'm a big fan of Andrade, and maybe when he was in Mexico and if he would cut promos on the mic, yeah, I, I, I actually saw like a, a video of him when he formed his faction Los Ingobernables and Tetsuya Naito from New Japan. Well. They have, like, Japanese wrestlers sometimes go on a thing called excursion, where they go out somewhere else in the world and they learn different styles of wrestling and they come back to Japan and they're better than ever. And Naito is one of those guys where he joined the Los Ingobernables faction and then when he left, he went on to New Japan and formed Los Ingobernables de Japón, I mean, Japan. Um, so, and I watched a video with, like, Andrade there when he was La Sombra, and he, I mean, he, I couldn't understand what he was saying. He was speaking Spanish, but he was very charismatic and was very good on the mic. But you're right when to say that Zelina Vega is just a nice piece of that where like Andrade doesn't need to say too much. Maybe he can run down the crowd a few, a few times on, on the mic in Spanish where they can't understand him. But Zelina Vega is the perfect piece to him that makes him whole. Um, uh, Brock, we may get tired of him, but Heyman and Lesnar are a great pairing. We saw Brock trying to speak for himself when he first came back, and it was horrible. It didn't get better until yeah. Paul came back. Um, oh, look at Jack Swagger back in the day with uh, Zeb Coulter. The, the, really, the only time he was really over with the We the People thing was with Zeb Coulter because he did all the talking for him. That's the only time I ever liked him. It's yeah. the only <laughs> time I ever liked him. That's what I'm saying. Like These guys can elevate other characters, and that's another thing that's missing. I think it is missing, and someone who I thought could have had really great potential as a manager was uh, Paige when she was managing Asuka and Kairi Sane. Um, I think when they kind of turned heel out of nowhere, I thought it would have been really great if Paige had kind of turned heel with them, and because I think because pa- Paige had some pretty good moments as a heel. When she was kind of managing Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, she had some really nice moments as a heel, uh, but they didn't really give her the opportunity to do that. And I think there's plenty of guys and girls you could do great things with as managers, like Mauro Ronaldo in NXT. Um, Ed, you've and you've seen uh, well some of Mauro's uh, documentary. Yes, I've I've seen most of it. I did, know what it's about. Did you see when he was like in like that like? that wrestling organization he was like a heel manager i did not see that that was in the early in the in the documentary but anyway he I, was, I skipped through some parts yeah okay well he <laughs> was he was in like some wrestling organization somewhere and he was a heel manager and he was really good and really charismatic um i think there are plenty of guys who you could use as managers again to elevate people uh in the company um joe i i mean is, is there anybody who kind of Springs to mind for you that you could put like put one person together with another wrestler or even a wrestler 
who they may not see too much in as a wrestler, but they could use them as a manager because they're good on the mic? Uh, I can't say who the manager would be, but I think Aleister Black would actually be pretty good with a manager because I feel like if you just keep him like a silent killer who just kicks people's heads off, that'd be awesome. I think and so. you just have a manager with him, I think that'd be pretty cool. I think so too. When when they kind of made Aleister Black start talking NXT, I wasn't really a big fan of that. But eventually, it got better and better because you do have to you do have to talk a little bit. I think yeah. Black would we would work really well with a manager. It's just a question of who, and right. they would kind of have to change who they are to kind of fit how he is. And I think Black saying a few things here and there, some one liners here and there, with the manager doing the talking for him would be really good. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for me. A big one would be Roman Reigns. I, I don't think it's too late. You could totally have him maybe turn heel or just kind of have a bit of a change in character and be that sh- guy who he was in the Shield, that silent guy who's just big brute, and have someone talk for him. I mean, because he's not person- an amazing talker either. I mean, suffering succotash. <laughs> that that's it. That killed it right I mean, there. Ro- Roman's he's had to crawl his way through a lot of shit to become yeah. to to you know for people to even like him at this point um it's almost a blessing in disguise that he got cancer and that's a horrible thing to say i know it's a horrible horrible thing to say but like right. people actually start to like him again when that happened because this was a real life thing and we're just like i don't think we as people like we don't hate the guy roman reigns not no. at all it's it's just we didn't like his booking and we were all legitimately upset and felt for the guy when he left um and but I've always said and jo- and Sean pitched this when we did our first SummerSlam predictions for 2018 I think it was yeah 2018 um, that for Roman to turn heel and for Heyman to be his manager hmm. I would think yeah probably I, I think if like you know I mean Heyman's Heyman's on Raw with as far as the writing guy the head writing guy and Roman's on SmackDown. But I think if there was a way where they could get Roman back on Raw or something or move Heyman to SmackDown or something, I think that would be really, really good. And they would just I think they would work really well together. Right. Um I mean, here's another manager who is just really great and underrated. I know Ed, you can kind of chime in on this. Uh Vicky Guerrero. She was uh she was she was good. She was really good. You make you you make People hate her, and you make people hate the wrestler. Increases the heel heat. It all works out. Yeah, I mean, I would. What would you say Edge was more hated when he got together with Lita and Lita cheated on Matt Hardy, or would you say he was more hated when uh, he paired himself with Vicky? That's a good question, but I, I would say maybe with Vicky, just because she was so annoying. Mm-hmm. What about you, Joe? Uh, I'm sorry, I missed the question. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I my question was because we mentioned I mentioned that Vicky Guerrero was a great manager uh, in her time. You know, being very annoying, a great heel. Um, but I asked, who do you think was a who? Who do you think? What do you think Edge was hated more uh, when he when Lita, uh. Lita cheated with cheated on Matt and paired with him, or when Edge was with Vicky? Yeah, I know it's tough because the Lita thing was pure genuine hate. Yeah, because you know it was real, pretty much. Yeah, uh, the stuff with Vicky was just kind of you know Anno- annoyance. annoyance. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because 
during the whole Vicky thing, it did lead to, in my opinion, one of the most underrated feuds of all time, that three-way between him, Batista, and Undertaker that went yes. on for like two years. Oh, my God. Uh, so that was, you know, that stuff led to an amazing uh, storyline. So, yeah, I'd probably say that. I'd probably say Vicky. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I would say for like pure hate – and people hating on Edge, I would have to say the Lita Matt Hardy stuff. I'll I'll be like you know the dark horse here. I'd have to say like that's where he was hated more. But that's another thing that uh, kind of goes lost in wrestling is genuine heel heat and uh, baby faces who are actually over as baby faces. Because we've seen plenty of people who a lot of guys are so good at heels that they're kind of cheered for being heels because their heel work is appreciated. Whereas, uh, you know, guys like Baron Corbin who are really good heels, they, he's, they kind of use him too much. And it's like, Whoa, 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 hold on there. You know what I mean? I see what you mean, CJ. You're telling me that Bobby Lashley actually needs to get with, uh, Lana in real life. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, think you, I, I don't think you do, but it'd be a great move for Bobby from Bobby Lashley. Um, I mean, because we've seen it a lot. We've seen like plenty of guys who are supposed to be baby faces just boot out of the building, and plenty of people who are supposed to be heels, but they're getting uh, they're getting cheered. Would you say that plays into effect of kind of like how? the business is wrestling is and kind of, and to smart fans, quote unquote, uh, does that kind of hurt it too? I think the internet kind of is, I think it's the reason why having heels is so rough. Now. Uh, I think that whole thing is kind of going to go by the wayside eventually. I don't think it's going to be as important to have a heel that you absolutely hate just because the way the internet works and how everyone knows the ins and outs of wrestling. Uh-huh. So, and I mean, you've had plenty of great, you know, uh, rivalries between baby faces anyway. So, I mean, personally, I don't think it's as big of a deal. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, it, there's nowhere near as much hate for heels as there was before, but depends on the eh. person because Baron Corbin's a heel. And yeah, he, I guess he just genuine, genuine heel heat. But I don't know if that's because of him or because people are kind of, you know the company's pushing him, and no one really wants him because you know when people like when people hated Edge and Triple H, they still liked him as a wrestler. You know? I would say the, the thing is like Corbin's not that great in the ring, but I would say Corbin can do really great heel work. It's just the thing is it has to be done in proper doses. Whereas his feud with Rollins in the summertime that was just like all right, this is just way way too much. Like I think Corbin used here and there sparingly uh can be really can be used really well done but for me i don't i corbin as a heel just using him too much like that in the top of the card uh is too much for me i I think corbin can be done really well if he's kind of more of an upper mid card heel and kind of get and plays a little bit being top of the card but not as a the top heel the top heel on a show i like that's just too much for me and he shouldn't be a heel because apparently, according to Vince, he's the sexiest man alive, and all the girls want is, uh, you know, little little Corbin. Vince said that. What? Yeah, yeah, you didn't hear about that. Vince is apparently really big on Baron Corbin because he thinks that that's what all the girls want nowadays is Baron Corbin. 
He's like the epitome of sexiness to females. Currently. When when was this said? Right, I, I I just threw something because that that's, that's, <laughs> that's just that's ridiculous. I've heard on multiple times. Uh, Cultaholic um, talked about it a lot on their podcast. Uh, I know Ross t- say it a lot on uh, WTF well, moments, but I mean maybe it was on the podcast. But yeah. I'll believe it. It wouldn't be the first time Vince has been sexually. I don't know. Attracted. I don't know if it's yeah. true or not, but I I can totally believe it. I can totally believe like like Triple H is coming up to Vince being like. Vince, why are we pushing Baron so much? I know, I mean, yeah, he's a good heel and everything, but why are we pushing him so much? Because women want guys like him. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> they want Corbin, damn it! They want people like Corbin! They want guys sexy like Corbin! <laughs> Corbin's the new Shawn Michaels. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd, I'd, he looks like a tall, like, I don't know. That's probably told him why they told him to cut his hair. Well, I because mean, because his hair looks like a penis. <laughs> well, I mean, he needed to shave his hair to begin with. Oh, yeah, he was already half bald. Yeah, like, <laughs> he was already balding. Like, just just get rid of the hair at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, but we've seen it in senses where like guys who are so great at he- go to being heels just keep getting cheered. But at the same time, there are those heels that are done do really, really, really well done work, where they can still get heat. Like a guy like Kevin Owens is like that. CM Punk was like that. When Punk turned heel, yeah, sure, he was still the most popular guy and everybody loved him. But he was still able to do things that made you like boo him. Like, uh... it's tough to say though because they'll t- they'll make you boo you in the moment, but then the very next night they're getting cheered again when they come out. Yeah, very so true. it's it's very hard to kind of say that. Well, I mean, I'll, yeah, they're good at being heels, but it's just the nature. Well, I'll, of well, I'll say I'll say I'll say this. Did I mean? And I think you told me you didn't mm-hmm. like CM Punk during the Straight Edge Society, right? I wasn't a fan initially, but then I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing now. Like it, it took me a little while. I mean, people legitimately hated CM Punk during that time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't hate him per se. I was like kind of indifferent. I was just like, okay, where are they going with this? I'm like, oh, okay. They eventually went in a way that I, I finally, my stupid brain understood it. <laughs> as, a I former, mean, I mean, as a former member of the Straight Edge Society, I think he was great. <laughs> well, former, what happened? Yeah, what happened, man? You, <laughs> you were on TV and you didn't tell us? Just got disbanded. I'm sorry. Did, did Punk kind of like just like listen, listen, bud? T- tonight is not your night to get on TV. Like, and you and you were just a, a loyal disciple of like, okay, okay, Master Punk, I will stay here. I will stay back backstage. I will go get your chicken from catering. Like, um, that was horrible. Um, <laughs> boo, boo, <laughs> boo! You suck. No, watching the show again, CG. You're getting some serious heel heat right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best heel in WWE right now. Yeah, just give me a mic. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you, you know, someone I, we were just talking about, like you know, guys who they could be really good managers and everything. I think I think Corey Graves could be a really good manager if they didn't put him on commentary. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's actually able to get people to like legitimately hate him. I know he does a great job at it. Just ask Morrow. Well, he's kind of naturally an asshole. Uh, yeah. Corey Graves, so it, it helps to do that. I would, I would think so. I think people who are just naturally dickheads just are just great at heels. Like, yeah, look at Rollins. 
exactly. Rollins, I mean, Punk, like Punk deserves <laughs> Punk for a while. He can be, depending on like the day he's having, like, you know, you don't know if you're getting a guy who'll be like, hey, man, how's, how are you? And just be like that. Or a guy's just like, you know, get the fuck out of my face. Oh, there's the F bomb. Oh, you know what? That wasn't even any of us. You know what? Oh, man. Another boo. Another boo. Say, just lost another sponsor, CJ. <laughs> What's I failed. That was supposed to be my. I was supposed to make sure that no one said the F word. All right, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this from this night forward, and no, and all seven of you listening, <laughs> we are allowed one F bomb per episode. That is a new rule Yay! I'm making. There's my gaffle, and that is official. Court adjourned. Shout out to Pradeep from Pakistan. Thank you for following us. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Sean's not gonna like it, but sorry, Sean. That's my rule now. That's my official rule. One F bomb per episode. Damn, CJ bringing down the hammer. I was actually bringing down the i uh, the iPhone uh, plug charger. So, <laughs> yeah, iPhones are just as useful as gavels anyway. So, okay, all right. Let's not get Android into Master that, Race. That's a that's a, <laughs> that's a different conversation <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> anyway, so um, we've been doing this for about an hour and a half, a little over. Oh, not two hours yet. All no, right, not two hours yet. We can still salvage that. <laughs> Are we going for two hours, or are we cutting it short in a little no, bit? No, I'm not. I had two jobs, and I already failed one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm the one who's looking at the time right here, and it's saying like one hour thirty two minutes. <laughs> we didn't even hit, we didn't even hit the real topics yet. Like why Sasha Banks fans are cringy. Uh, I mean, we we can do an entire two hour episode of that. We can. <laughs> we can. <laughs> Honestly, I think that should be our next episode. Uh, well, I think that would be considered bullying, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll record it and we'll have it for our own our own private listening, and I'll send yeah. it to you guys. <laughs> I'll leave it in a Dropbox, and then we can listen to it. Just a quick word of advice, guys: if you call someone a goddess on uh, a Facebook comment, probably not the best idea. Unless she doesn't a, know you. Unless she's Alexa Bliss, <laughs> where you know they call her a goddess on TV. That's, uh, that's hey, listen. That's that's more acceptable. It's like, you know, yeah, Alexa. But then you kind of put it into context. Hello, Alexa, goddess, my girlfriend, and my and she is my girlfriend. Uh, you're so hot and pretty. I, I love you, listen, goddess. Listen, stop stop knocking on my fan base here, okay? Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, CJ, you're a goddess. <laughs> oh, man. But um, I, 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 I get to the Off the Rails podcast. <laughs> I guess uh, maybe we could try wrap up in a little bit here. Cl- yeah. A few close, a uh, few uh, topics to hit on. Um, we kind of talked about it, but um, the fans, like, do you think we kind of talked a little bit? But do you think the fans are kind of like, have they kind of hurt the overall mold of wrestling today? Hmm. I mean, maybe hardcore fans potentially, but it depends on how much because. Us as people who, you know, do this, we can't possibly know how much they actually listen to, you know, online forums and uh, Twitter and all that other stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it, they most likely think with money more than anything else. So in that case, probably not. Uh, I think the big problem with uh, the fan base is um, just the fact that there's a lot of kids. And obviously that's just the nature of PG television. I mean, yeah, and there is a stereotypical fan for like 
just about everybody. I mean, we, we, we've, we've talked about the death about, you know, the hardcore fans who are overweight and don't shower and all that. Just like we've, we've joked about that a lot, but we've, but there's also kids who like kind of take it a little too seriously. Like I, I think I, I said this story on a podcast once that I was at a, the same house show I went to when Drew, when Drew McIntyre called himself sexy later on the night, it was Rhonda and um, Nia Jax in the main event of Madison Square Garden for the Raw Women's title. And um, and there was some kid sitting next to me and uh, my girlfriend uh, and his dad. And he was wearing a Ronda Rousey shirt. And um, I, I, I tried being that one asshole fan. Be like, we want Becky. Clap, 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 clap. And then, <laughs> and then the... You know, I, I kind of got it going, but the kid's like, no, no. I'm like, yeah, dude, she's the best. And at the time, Becky was on SmackDown as the – I don't th- I, I'm not sure if she was still the champion or not on SmackDown. But she but she the thing with Ronda and Becky, the seeds are being planted. And I'm, he's like, no, no, Ronda. I'm like, nah, man, Becky, she's the best. It's like, nah, second best. Like, nah, dude, she's the best. She's the man. And then I swear to God, this little kid who couldn't have been more than like four or five years old, maybe six – He's like two or three rows down from me, and he just turns around and says to me something like, um, "She's not a man; she's a girl." <clears throat> I'm like, "What?" I'm like, <laughs> and at this point, like everybody knew like Becky Lynch as the man. Like the T-shirt, the man was out. Like there was so like I saw people wearing that MSG that night. Like they, like it was commonly known. Becky Lynch is the man, and I go to him. I'm like. Well, that's what she calls herself, bud. Like she, she, she calls herself the man, and it's like that doesn't make any sense. That's like like saying Big Show's a girl. And I'm look and like I'm kind of going back and forth with this kid, and then his dad is like trying to stop him, being like, "No, just just stop!" Like as if this kid has done this before. He's picked fan picked fights with fans at wrestling shows who are much older than him, and I had to stop myself and just go. Am be I honest with you, CJ. I think you were. Yeah, I mean, I'm about to say, it. yeah, you were arguing with the two-year-old. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> is am I really arguing with a with a freaking two-year-old? Yeah, with a six-year-old. I'm just like, I was, I, my mind was blown that a kid is he, that a kid is just yelling at me for this. I'm like, I'm sitting, me, I'm laughing. Ashley's laughing. The the kid and his dad are laughing, and people around us just going. I think the dad goes to me like, did that really just happen? I'm like, evidently, yes, sir. That really just happened. A, a five-year-old just yelled at me for calling Becky Lynch the man, which she calls herself that. I I was perplexed, to say the least. You do have a point, though, because, I mean, if you were to... I'm, like, I'm not saying that they have to change the TV-14. I mean, you can have a very adult show on PG. But if you, they were to focus more on their adult audience, because kids are going to watch regardless, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to cater it towards kids. If you cater it to more towards an adult audience, those interactions at shows aren't going to be as often because when you see those really great crowds in Philly and any, you know, all this stuff uh, after WrestleMania, most of those people there are adults. And I know from going to events myself, whether it be WWE or like football or whatever, I feel like I can have a better time if I don't have kids around me because I can just kind of be myself and, you know, be rowdy and do whatever oh, and yeah. just have fun. Absolutely. With kids around, you have to censor yourself. And so it makes people in the crowd not have as much fun and then when you're watching tv you can tell that the crowd isn't having as much fun <laughs> you know i mean that's that's why like i've had like way i've had a lot of fun at nxt takeovers and ring of honor shows because there's generally less kids there i mean the last ring of honor show i went to when it was the bucks and 
Cody and Hangman Pages last night in Ring of Honor, Sean and I were having an amazing time, but like there's hardly any kids in the crowd. Um, the only kid, quote unquote, I saw in the crowd. Um, you guys know Dave Lagreca? I've heard of him. Yes. Yeah, he was like he was there with his daughter, and I think she had to be like I don't know, twelve or thirteen years old. But that's like the only kid I saw in the the entire night. Sure, there might have been a few kids there, but majority Ring of Honor crowds are just like you know hardcore wrestling fans. So, you know, you can get away with, like, cursing and yelling and just being crazy. Whereas, like, main roster WWE shows, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're like the one I went to uh, in Madison Square Garden. You're going to have a good number of kids around you. The the last one I went to, when Andrade won the U.S. title, like, there were a lot of kids around me. Like, there were little like two little kids next to uh, next to Ashley, and, they, and, like, they were going nuts and screaming. And there were, like, you know, some kid, uh, a, a guy and his kids behind me. It's just, like, you know, I couldn't be as crazy as I'd like to be, you know? You kind of have to, but you're right, Joe. You kind of have to be reserved a bit. In all fairness, CJ, though, the NXT shows don't have that many kids because there's probably no room for them since the average fan takes up two seats. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ed, that was great. That was great, pal. But, I mean, either way, like, because even if we're trying to talk WWE's language, right, which is money, Mm -hmm. if you gear it more towards adults, you're still going to make money from – the kids are still going to ask their parents to buy merchandise. But who buys tickets? Not kids, adults. But you have to kind of have – And when it's cool, adults are going to buy tickets. You have to have a happy medium, though, in the middle, though, because – Well, yeah, sure. I'm not going to say, you know, make it, you know – a completely adult show, but yeah, there, there ha- was a happy medium before when we watched it. It was a right. happy medium, would you say? Well, but there were also a lot of sexual innuendos, and you know, HLA. If we all remember not that, SmackDown. well, not on SmackDown. That's what I'm saying. You don't need the sexual innuendos. I'm not saying you know, bring back Braun panties matches. No, I'm just saying please. you well, could have an edgier product without also you know insulting people. <laughs> and I think Raw has done a better job of that. With uh, recent memory, with Heyman being uh, put at, put on charge, um, but I think if you did things that were a little more edgier and they are trying to make a better product, it would. I would say they've tr- they're trying to do things like that. I wouldn't. We can see they tried, but it's been a fail. That Lana Brock uh, Bobby Lashley thing that, that was. That was, uh, that was geared yeah. towards. That was geared towards t- total diva fans. That's what it was geared towards. Yeah, that was. That's what it looked that like. was geared towards that. Yeah. It wasn't like for wrestling fans. Like, I had my friend John <laughs> uh, Cummings on here a few times, and he told me like how like that was something his sister wanted to see. Where she's not really a oh, huge, huge wrestling fan, but she was, um, she was like gravitated towards it, and she was interested in it. Whereas like me and my buddy John are like we're huge wrestling pro wrestling fans, and and uh hardcore fans so like we're we think that stuff like that is 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 horrible i mean if she wants to see that sort of thing there's better acting on pornhub (laughs) yeah yeah and and there's reality tv so if you want to see stuff like that just go that's that's the thing is like i always say reality tv is more fake than pro wrestling so if you want to go see stuff like that just just go watch reality tv yeah but even then like i would take that lana uh rusev uh storyline any day if that means that they were taking more risks because if the, if they had better storylines throughout the entire show and this one happened to show up who cares that's one you know segment you kind of write off and you watch the rest of the show and you're happy you know so th- even though that storyline was terrible 
it's still going to bring out more eyes than usual to the TV. And, you know, they are at least trying something new. So I'll, I'll give them credit for that at least. It's just, I just wish that they would, you know, hit more than they miss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, when you, when you take a chance, it doesn't mean it's going to work, you know? I mean, that's the whole point of a chance. It could work. It could not work. It's 50-50. Um, but I say that there have been steps to try and have a little bit of an edgier product, at least on Raw. SmackDown, I right. can't really say too much about. Um, honestly, I don't get to watch SmackDown too often. When I cover about it on the on the regular episodes of the podcast, I really just talk about the main things that happened, um, the, the main stuff, because... If if I could only watch one show or the other, I would watch. Like if they someone told me like, okay, you can't watch NXT and you can't watch AEW, but you can watch Raw or SmackDown. Which what are you gonna watch? Like, and I, I would say Raw because more guys I like are on Raw and more interesting storylines are happening on Raw. Whereas like Baron Corbin and Roman Reigns are having their never-ending feud on SmackDown. They're throwing dog food all over the place. Yeah. Exactly, and the fiends on SmackDown, which is like the one thing that would make me want to watch. Yeah. But the fiend and Daniel Bryan are like the two things that two guys who would make me want to watch SmackDown. But Bryan hasn't been doing too much. Maybe they'll bring Shane on back back and uh, they'll get you back. No, 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 <laughs> no, God, please, no, 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 Shane, no Shane, no Shane as like he is like Superman and best in the world. No, none of that. Oh, good God, that was too much. It was too much to begin with with Shane and Mac. <laughs> Having flashbacks right now, PTSD. You're gonna get more of that with the Saudi shows. Yeah, yeah, Saudi Arabia. That's that's another podcast for another day about how what you think about that. I've, I've made my opinion very clear about how I feel about those shows. I cover them and do predictions, but I don't watch them. I do not watch them. There's no reason to. No, they're they're glorified out shows. Oh man. Well, got about hour and 45 in. I guess we should kind of wrap it up pretty soon. Yeah, summarize what the topic was. What is the state of wrestling? I think the state of wrestling for me is that, and I think you guys would probably agree, that a lot of amazing in-ring talent, the in-ring performance is the best it's ever been all across the board, whether you look at the WWE and NXT AEW, Ring of Honor, uh, Impact, New Japan, I think it's the best it's ever been, but the booking is hit or miss, there aren't enough characters, and risks, a lot of risks are not taken. Yeah, you have the, the, you have the first half of the Lego set, you just have to put the rest of it together and it'll be good, but I mean, you can't have just one bit and expect it to be good, you have to have the whole package, that's it, balances everything. Yeah. I 100% totally agree. Sean, is that you? <laughs> He's back. <laughs> totally well, agree with you. 100%. Well, well, if Sean didn't know about that meme now, he does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're listening, pal, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Um, I guess that's about it. Anyway, thank you guys so much. Under two hours. Uh, yeah, just under two hours. We yes! Just, if we uh, spared 15 minutes, but then when I put the intro in here, it, it might be two hours. Who knows? Uh, yeah, let's not do another five and a half minute intro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that one. I'm sorry. Anyway, 
that'll do it for this edition, this special edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, Ed, I want to thank you because you've kind of started this little special trend, man, where we're going to be doing like little special episodes once uh, once in a blue moon we get started with eddie guerrero now we got the three of us with uh the state of the wrestling business right now and um gonna try and do a little more with these with ed and joe from time to time sometimes the three of us will be on sometimes be one of us and who knows like these aren't gonna be a monthly thing it's gonna be kind of like when they have time and when i have time uh pretty much gonna be but Please uh, be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm. Uh, give a subscribe, uh, rate, and review the podcast. That helps big time. I know that's something I probably should have been saying for the past year or so, but hey, better late than never. Um, you know, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, let us know what you think. Um, anyway, uh, Thank you so much, Joe, Ed. Any any last words you want to say before we close this thing out? Like and subscribe and leave a comment down in the section, right? In the comment section. Is that what they say on YouTube? Well, yeah, like, comment, and subscribe. Well, okay. I'm not I'm not on YouTube yet. But thank oh. you. I appreciate that. Joe? Okay, about... like, comment, subscribe. Okay. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. That'll have to be said more when I finally do get get on YouTube. Anyway, <laughs> for my my best friends, Joe and Ed, and for CJ Palmasano. We'll see you guys next time.